All right, so what I'm going to do today in the message is um, I want to continue in the theme that we've been uh, kind of hanging with uh, for all of the sermons here in the season of Easter. And of course, that theme is the death and resurrection of Jesus has actually made something different in the world, that there is an actual change in the cosmos because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. For all of the Easter sermons, we've been hanging with this theme that the death and resurrection of Jesus is the most important event in the history of the universe. That Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the center of everything. And that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has made a real, tangible change in the world. That there is actually something different. In fact, Everything is different because Jesus has been raised from the dead. So that's our Easter theme, that, that Jesus' death and resurrection has changed everything about the cosmos. That there is a real difference in the world because of what Jesus has done by his death and by his glorious resurrection. And today I want to sort of um, drill down a little bit. Uh, in this larger theme to uh, a, a, an additional theme or sort of a, a, a related theme, and that is the totality of Jesus' reign. The totality of Jesus' reign. So the larger theme is the death and resurrection of Jesus has changed everything, and today within that theme I want to explore this idea that Jesus' reign is universal, that there is a totality to it, that nothing is outside the purview of the reign of Jesus Christ. So, what we're going to do, actually, is break the text that I read this morning in half. We're going we're to look at two discrete sections of the text, and we're actually going to start with the second half. And I'm, I'm going to actually start at the end of the passage, and we're going to sort of work through it this way. And, um, and what I want to show you here is just how universal Jesus' reign is. So we start here in verse, um, into verse 21, into verse 22. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Now, this, this passage uh, actually illuminates an article of our faith, something in the Apostles' Creed. The, the ascension of Jesus Christ. Actually, a lot of the language here in the passage we read from 2 Peter um, is, is um, where we get some of our articles of faith. The resurrection of Jesus, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus to the right hand, his descent to the dead. All of those things are in the, are in the creed, in the creed of our baptism. And all of that is right here in, um, in Peter, in his letter. And Peter walked and talked with Jesus and shared life with Jesus. So, so Peter is one of our closest sources um, for, the, for the, the, the doctrines of the early church. So here we have Peter saying that Jesus has ascended to the right hand. And Peter goes even further by saying that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God and all of the angels and authorities and powers are now subject to him. So Jesus, by his resurrection and ascension into heaven, is exalted, and every other power is now under his authority. What that means is there is no authority equal to Jesus, period. There is no authority that can 
come to equality with Jesus. Every other power in the world, whether it be a spiritual power, a, a political power, temporal authority, every other authority in the entire cosmos, every other power, every being that seeks power in the entire universe is subject to Jesus. There is no authority that can compare to the complete and total authority of Jesus. So Jesus' reign is total. It's universal. Jesus is over all. There is no other power on earth or under the earth or in heaven that can ever, ever usurp the authority and the total reign of Jesus. Jesus' sovereignty is complete. Jesus' sovereignty is universal. Jesus has been given authority over everything. All of the powers are subject to Jesus. Nothing else can even compare to the reign and the authority of Jesus Christ. The, the, the phrase, Jesus is Lord, was the first Christian statement of faith. Jesus is Lord over all. And that remains Christian's primary statement of faith today. Our first allegiance, our ultimate loyalty, our final hope is in Jesus Christ. Jesus who died and was raised from the dead, who has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and who lives and reigns forever. Jesus' reign, his authority, his kingdom is universal, and it is absolutely supreme. Now, Peter makes it very clear, looking at the end of verse 21, that this exaltation of Jesus is by way of his death and resurrection. So, so Peter, in, in, the, um, in the end of the passage that we read this morning, is saying that the exaltation and total reign of Jesus comes through his death and his resurrection. And this, Peter says, is what saves us. This death, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus is our salvation. That the way we get into the new creation, the way that we are brought into God's kingdom, the way that we are able to stand before God is through the death and the resurrection and the exaltation of Jesus. This is our salvation. Our salvation is through the one who was, who, who was killed, who was, who was executed, who was tortured to death, but who then three days later rose from the grave and now lives eternally in his, in his absolute humanity and his total divinity. He lives eternally at the right hand of the Father, with all other powers being subjected to him. So there is now nothing that can separate us from God because we are in God's family because we have been incorporated into the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Peter says, all of this is tied up in our baptism. A little bit earlier in the passage, here in verse uh, 20 and 21. He talks about the days of Noah. 
God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven. So we see here that what Peter is telling us about our salvation is that it is absolutely wrapped up in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Peter says the way that we get incorporated into all of this is through our baptism. That just like the flood came and washed away every impurity from the earth, and the, the ones who were saved through the flood, that is to say Noah and his family, were then placed in a renewed creation, sort of the, the, the big reset. We could talk for a long time about the flood. I don't have time to go into that this morning, but I just want to allude to it here, that the, that the, the ones who were saved through the flood, Noah and his family, were then placed in a new creation and told to help the newness of this renewed creation to, to thrive and to flourish. They were, they were given, once again, uh, the same instructions that God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden. Be fruitful and multiply and take care of this creation. And we now, through our baptism, which is correspondent to the, 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 the salvation of Noah and his family in the flood, we, through our baptism, are given our place in the new creation, the, the, the absolutely renewed creation that Jesus has brought about by his death and his resurrection. There's a lot going on here, and it's very dense, but, but I hope you can see that, that what we are called to as Christians is participation in what Jesus has accomplished through his death and resurrection. And because we are united to Christ by our baptism, because we are saved into this new creation by being united in our baptism to the death and resurrection of Jesus, we now share a place in God's kingdom through Jesus Christ. We are now co-heirs with Jesus to the kingdom of God. So Jesus by his death and by his resurrection, has been exalted to the right hand of the Father, and all other powers are put under his feet. They are all subjected to him, and Jesus' reign is now universal. It is total. He has absolutely taken authority over every other power. Jesus' reign is total, it is complete, it is universal. Because Jesus has come into the creation as a, as a truly human person. Jesus has come among us as a truly human person. He has died a truly human death. He has descended to the realm of the dead, or, or as the older translation of the Apostles' Creed uh, puts it, he descended into hell. In other words, Jesus has actually gone to hell and back for you and for me. Jesus came among us as a truly human person. He died a truly human death. He descended to the realm of the dead. And Peter says, preach to the spirits in prison. And now, after all of that, he has ascended into heaven he, he, has, he has been exalted to the right hand of the Father. He is now enthroned over all creation and every other power, no matter what power it might be, whether it's the power of grief, the power of death, 
the power of addiction, the power of depression, the power of anxiety, the power of conflict and discord, whatever power might prop its head up and, and seek to cause uh, our, our, our harm and our ruin, that power is subject to Jesus. It is under Jesus' feet, and it has no ultimate authority over you or over me because Jesus' reign is complete and is enthroned over all creation and he is in authority and no other power on heaven or earth or under the earth can ever usurp the reign of Jesus Christ. And that means moving now to the first half of the passage that we have nothing to fear in this life even when we suffer. Peter says to those he is writing, don't be afraid because what harm is it to you if you are zealous for, while, while doing good? Even if you suffer, what ultimate harm is it to you? And, and what Peter is getting at here, let me just give you a little context very quickly. So Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are experiencing great suffering. They're being persecuted because of their belief in Jesus, because of their faith in Christ. They are experiencing uh, isolation, uh, Persecution. They are experiencing a, an intense form of suffering. And so part of why Peter is writing this letter is to encourage those Christians who are suffering to continue in the good work that has been begun in them. And so Peter says, you actually don't have to be afraid. This suffering that you're enduring is not a suffering that actually ultimately has any control over you, any power over you at all. Je Jesus has already suffered the righteous for the unrighteous, and by his suffering, he has transformed suffering. And by his death, he has transformed death. Now death is no longer the final word, the final power, the final victory over our souls. Now death is just another step in our journey towards the kingdom of God. Peter says that your suffering can now be united to the suffering of Christ who has transformed all suffering and your suffering now is not something that is just for its own sake and just for your, just for your harm, just to make you uh, give up and lose hope. Now your suffering actually can be a participation in the suffering of Jesus for the sake of the redemption of the cosmos, because that is what's happening. You see, we have been invited as Christians into a participation with Jesus in the transformation of the cosmos, into the final, uh, the final unveiling of the new creation. That is what we are called to do and to be as Christians. It was the suffering of Jesus that ultimately defeated and subjugated all the other powers of the world. It was the suffering of Jesus that brought about our redemption. It was the suffering of Jesus that led to his exaltation. And so now suffering does not get the final say in our lives. Because we are destined to resurrection as co-heirs to the eternal kingdom with Jesus Christ. We are now part of that new creation. We are now part of that ultimate transformation. We are now part of that definitive change in the cosmos. We have been made part of God's kingdom. And so there is no power on heaven or on earth or under the earth that can ever, 
ever, ever separate us from the love of God. And so we don't have to be afraid. We can have peace. And let me tell you something. This is the only peace that lasts. The peace that comes from understanding that Jesus is with us in every situation. And that Jesus has already defeated every power that seeks our ruin. That Jesus has already provided a place for us in the new Jerusalem. That Jesus has already gone before us to prepare a place in the kingdom for each and every one. That Jesus is already supreme authority over every power and every principality. That Jesus has defeated even death itself. That Jesus has the victory. That Jesus is the one who lives and reigns eternally with God and the Holy Spirit. That Jesus Christ has defeated death itself. And so we have nothing to fear. Thanks be to God. That is peace. Peace that passes all understanding. The only peace that lasts is the only peace that will ever truly satisfy our lonely and restless hearts. Jesus is with us. Jesus is for us. Jesus has overcome. And we have been given victory in every situation. The death and the resurrection of Jesus has changed everything. And the good news for us this morning, the best news of all, is that Jesus remains with us in all things. The one who lives and reigns eternal with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit is with us now. Later this week on Thursday, we celebrate the Feast of the Ascension. And the Feast of the Ascension is, is one of my favorite feast days in the church. Of course, that's the day that we recall Jesus uh, walking with his disciples to the mountain of ascension and they're being taken away from their sight, going to the right hand of the Father to live and reign eternally. In that moment, Jesus takes his human body, takes that piece of humanity that he is and eternally will be with him to the presence of the Father. And then a few days later, when the day of Pentecost had fully come and the apostles are gathered in the upper room, God fulfills Jesus' promise and sends the Holy Spirit upon them. And so as we begin to move to this end of the Easter season and celebrate the Feast of, of Ascension and the Feast of Pentecost, we remember that because of Ascension and because of Pentecost, now eternally and forever, a little bit of humanity is in heaven. And a piece of heaven dwells with us in our humanity by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what we're part of. This is exciting stuff. Because it means that we are part of something so much larger than we could ever even imagine. We have been invited into participation with Jesus in the redemption of the cosmos. And the way that we do that is love. And we're empowered to love because of the peace in our hearts. And that peace is a product of the suffering of Jesus, who by his suffering has overcome suffering forever. And now, in his eternally glorified and resurrected body, he sits at the right hand of the Father and lives 
and reigns over all. Thanks be to God. Amen.